everyone. Uh, sad week this week. Uh, we've lost a unique member of the original Time Team family. And of course, I could spend ages talking about him. Uh, a wonderful man. He had the most amazing life story, which I hope some of you will be able to find more about uh, over the next few months. Um, but I thought I'd like to select a few thoughts at this time and just show you a few things from the Time Team archive. Um, when I first talked to Victor's family uh, after his passing, they told me that he'd still been drawing pictures and also occasionally talking about Time Team up until a few weeks before he passed away. So in that spirit, I'm going to mark the occasion and, and celebrate a few memories of my good friend by talking about some of his pictures and showing you just a few treasures from the archives. Victor was, of course, one of the first and original members of Time Team. I wanted someone to do the essential job of showing what the past could look like. Whenever we go to shoots, people always say, what did it look like? And I wanted someone who could produce those images. By a chance, I'd seen a Reader's Digest history book with his amazing drawings and one particular picture stuck in mind, a picture of the Vikings raiding Lindisfarne. There was a realism, a visceral sense of the past, and yet impressionistic enough to allow your imagination to fill in the gaps. And so I had a meeting with Victor and from the files, we managed to find recently this letter dated 1991. It was nice to meet you both on Thursday and I hope that we can work together on your project. And he goes into other details about it. So lovely uh, that we managed to keep that. I was delighted to say that we were able to use that Viking picture again and again. I used it in a book still as fresh and exciting as when he first drew it. Unlike completed CGI images with their detail and certainty, Victor's pictures held that uncertainty that I think we should have about the past, particularly the prehistoric past. We could never know exactly what it looked like, and I think his style perfectly summarised that. I know his other great love was military portraits and horses. He was always very glad when we went to a site when he can get people on a horse. And I think we've got another wonderful image to show you from the Tudor period that he did, showing a group of lords riding out on their horses. When he painted a horse, it came to life. You could feel its movements, feel its breathing. He caught something of the spirit of a horse, and it was always lovely to see. You've got a good eye for detail. You may find in a lot of Victor's pictures a dog. There is always a dog somewhere around in the foreground or the background, and uh, it's a little clue to it being a Victor picture. I know one of his prized possessions was a breastplate with a bullet impact on it, and it probably saved the man's life at some point in the past. And we were lucky enough to get this lovely portrait of Victor holding the breastplate in front of himself, and it's one of my favourite images of him. We move from the historical period to the prehistoric past on Time Team often, and it was this area where Victor was particularly important. 
where we were looking back into periods about we about which we got very little information having him recreate a picture like this was very important this is from the mesolithic we'd seen a few footprints on the seashore on the seven estuary near bristol and in the course of that weekend victor painted that scene of mesolithic hunters hunting an auroch firing arrows and beautifully in the foreground a small family with kids running out across the sticky mud and leaving their footprints which we were lucky enough to find and his picture characterized and summarized a lot of the things about that period in a beautiful way victor also had a real sense of humor uh, which often came out over the years in some of his cartoons and sketches. Over the years, he often uh, sketched members of the Time Team. We all got portrayed uh, in various um, uh, guises over the time. And often it was a quickly sketched cartoon, which somehow always managed to catch something. I rather liked his images of Phil. And this one, which we're going to show you, is his picture of Time Team floating in space, if you like. They've all got hoods on, and, and it feels like a rather suitable picture for something around the time of COVID. Well, we're hoping that we'll be able to show you a lot more of his pictures later on in the year. Um, the family will be, I think, holding a celebration of Victor's work sometime in the summer, which Time Team will be hoping to support. And we also hope that with the family's permission, we will, on all our future shoots, have a digital archive of all of his pictures we can reference. So although he sadly won't be with us in person, we will have a representation of his skill, humanity and humour to keep us company. So this has been just a few words and images from Time Team's life with our dear friend, and key member of the Time Team family, Victor Ambrose. Other people will want to talk to you about Victor's extraordinary adventures getting out of Hungary during the uprising, and they'll want to tell you what a fine artist he was, as indeed he was. But I want to talk about Victor the Gentleman. Victor was always incredibly well-dressed in that smart, casual way. He knew everybody's name and he knew their partner's names. He seldom spoke first, but when he did speak, he was always very considered and very fulsome and very courteous. The big thing to me about Victor was that he was also incredibly patient, particularly because I was always the one who had to go up to him and say he'd got to alter his drawings every time we got a bit of archaeological evidence, which would change our story. And he would smile and nod and just go on with it. He was very spry. He always kept himself fit and he always had a smile on his face. In fact, I knew him for over 20 years and during the whole of that time, I don't think he ever had a bad word to say about anybody and nobody ever had a bad word to say about him. I, I could spend the next five hours talking about Victor's drawings, but you're not going to let me, are you? Uh, in fact, if, you know, if I was sitting in my other room, you'd see on my wall, I've got three of Victor's original drawings on my, on my wall that he did. He did for me. He, um, I, I just have the most. Uh, it's probably uh, I could wax lyrical. But what Victor 
did so brilliantly was kind of bring the past to life. So he was very good at putting people into our view of the past. Obviously, he's great at drawing images of what the buildings would have looked like. Um, but it's the people in that. And it's kind of those moments, um, of those, you know, tiny little moments of, you know, that relate to a particular artifact we found. So a, a pot being made or a, a flint axe being broken um, or a brooch being placed in a grave. You know, there's those sort of human moments, I think, that Victor was always so good on. It's the sort of thing that it's really, you know, not easy to do with your, you know, super graphic CGI, computer-generated reconstructions. Those can do your 3D fly around, but that putting the people in, I think, is um, what Victor was always so brilliant at. And, and those little moments, I think, that bring it alive to people. Uh, Victor's pictures really did give a level of emotion. Uh, he could visualise a, a lot of the people aspect, which back when we were doing graphics, it was much harder to kind of um, to imagine people or put people into our, our graphics that, that could move. So uh, Victor really on, on site was able to kind of bring the heart and soul of maybe what it would have looked like for the people. Uh, to have been in the scene and yeah it's really important part of of, um, of the shoot uh, apart from the fact that he was an amazing artist and that his uh, skills his historical knowledge uh, his f uh, knowledge of historical fashion which you know mustn't be overlooked you know to be able to draw different periods and, and get the clothes right. If I do things like that, I'm doing a book at the moment about the medieval period. I'm I'm looking in books and I'm looking on the internet and all that kind of stuff, but it's all up in, in, <laughs> in Victor's head. Uh, he just has that breadth of experience and ability to be able to kind of capture um, the people and the emotion. It gives you a, a picture of life there in a way that most archaeologists don't get that Far. we just stop at the evidence says this and we never take it to tell a story and Victor's drawings tell us tell uh, tell a story. Uh, Victor's brilliant I mean I sort of grew up uh, looking at a lot of you know the the uh, the books that he used to illustrate um, certainly some sort of medieval and Roman ones but what I love about Victor's artwork is that he adds the human elements to it he's very much um, it's the archaeology of, of people there were so many very good reconstructions being done really since the age of Alan Sowell in the 1950s of, of buildings and structures. And most of them are from aerial shots looking down. Victor puts people, they, people inhabit his drawings. There's a life in them. You can see characters. Um, so he takes on board all the archaeological evidence, but it's from sort of ground view of things. And it really it makes it come alive. Uh, you can see he bricks in the personality, he adds the, so in some cases, the, the squalor of life at the time. But it, it, it's, it's so, you know, I've not really seen a reconstruction artist like him before who can just bring so much life to the past. He's, he's brilliant. He was a, such a valuable part of the team. Well, Victor's art's amazing. Um, I, I, I didn't realise this until years later, but um, I'd been exposed to Victor's artwork when I was a child. He wrote a couple of books. Um, he wrote a number of children's books and illustrated them. Um, but a couple of them were stories about Dracula. They were comedic stories about Dracula with his wonderful illustration. I now bought them for my son. 
he thinks they're great. Victor Ambrose, I mean, crikey, the guy was prolific. Not only did he win two uh, Kate Greenaway awards, he was shortlisted for three more. And he, he might have illustrated 300 books. That's on top of everything else he was doing. I don't know whether to um, admire him or, you know, wish doom on him because it's, it's, I'm somewhat uh, envious of that extraordinary workload. Um, either that or he started working when he was two. Everything has to be worked out in pencil before you put colour on it because once you start putting colour on top, that's very final, whereas a pencil could be rubbed out. Those any number of sites where I come back from wandering the landscape, and that this is this is heresy. I'm going to you know, I'm going to regret saying this, but when I come back, and Victor had been drawing something, which had been advised by those who'd been digging holes, what this looked like, what that looked like, and I'd come back and look at. I remember one in particular, and the site actually has gone from my memory which site it was, and he'd done this elaborate layout of, of huts because that's what it was looking like at the time. And then uh, I looked at it and thought, mm, it's not like that really at all. You know, I think this story's going to change rapidly. And, and I started talking, and, and I was rubbing stuff out. Victor said, oh, just rub it out. You know, just draw on there what you think it will be like. You know? And I thought, I'm rubbing out something done by one of the most wonderful artists I've ever met. And, and feeling a little bit uneasy about about doing that, but um, that happened far too frequently, I'm afraid. And so Victor has to get another piece of paper and start again because he's got to go. He's got to clothe her. He's got to give her the hairstyle or put a wimple on her. Um, he he's got to make her a woman. So he he does another one. He takes a horse away. Um, he began with a beautiful drawing of a Roman temple, which he then had to discard, uh, and then a round barrow, which he had to discard, and then a Neolithic barrow, which he had to get rid of. And then it was like, right, what is it? Is it a post structure? And he did a fantastic drawing, I think, which covered all the bases. You've got a ditch, you had upright posts, you had decomposing prehistoric bodies in the middle uh, with bits of human bone like. So it, it was a way of trying to visualize what we were finding and of course no reconstruction drawing is ever going to be correct but it does give the audience an opportunity to try and understand the site it does put our finds into some kind of context so yes I did work quite a lot with it I, I was the person who kept telling Victor I'm afraid you've got to rub that out uh, and I'm going to redo that bit but I think his, his final drawing of the site uh, I mean archaeologists can still question aspects of it but it was just just perfect it was absolutely amazing and, and it did a fantastic job of, of trying to explain what we thought we'd found i think what he did with his illustrations was do this amazing thing of connecting up what was happening with the archaeology and with the history because in some ways what time team is all about is it's a time travel isn't it it's wanting to see it as it was it's wanting to recreate it and historians do that with words and our archaeologists do that with stuff and then Victor would bring it together and help us to imagine what it really had been like which is what we're all kind of after really in the end anyway so he his his mind um his ability to envision um what it is that we were looking for was so powerful and I think for it you know and the way that that sort of marries up history and archaeology is because 
as historians, I mean, we notice this when people make historical films, you know, there are all sorts of details we don't know about the stuff that fields the, fields the field of vision. And that's exactly the sort of stuff that archaeologists are finding. And so you've got the, the narrative about the people and the stuff, and he put them together so powerfully. The, the one site that you asked me if it you know, really brought things to life was Old Basing, which was a site we did, which was a Civil War story at um, Old Basing. And the drawings that Victor did for that, when I, when I saw them, where he'd taken, the, honestly, the lumps and bumps in the ground, because that's all we had there. We had some quite good lumps and bumps. And it populated them with people climbing up and swords and a bit of blood and all the stuff that Victor was really good at, bringing that emotion and, and terror into people's faces. I remember looking at it and thinking, whoa, just one of the, you know, how, how, can, how can somebody see that in their mind and transpose that onto something that is just a load of lumps and bumps in the field and that? And that is still one of my very favourite of Victor's drawings. So you come across a burial and it's got a, a mighty great sword cut as it looks to the top of the skull. And you think, oh, that's good. That's some good solid dating evidence. I bet that's going to turn out to be Middle Anglo-Saxon. And you forget that actually this is a person who had a really horrendously horrific thing happen to them. And that's where Victor's, uh, the process of Victor's drawings and the end product really helped you to 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 remember that these are real people that you're studying people in the past not just what happened when and reconstructing settlement boundaries and that kind of thing this is actual people these are societies so the, and the the sequence of drawings that victor uh, produced was uh, shows shows the the difficulty i suppose of his job Sometimes we can be very clinical, can't we, when we're there, it's dirt or it's, it's a mound or, or whatever it is. But Victor had that way of transposing your mind back into the time, just with a, with a few pencils and, and, and you know, a few watercolours. I mean, I still to this day, you know, I, I just so much admiration for the work work he did as some people might know I, I do my own book illustration so of course I was interested to watch Victor working his style very different from mine his is much more uh, much freer uh, so he would take the uh, if you like the geometric bare bones of the building and turn it into a more realistic type of sketch he was kind of quiet um, so, you know, unless you specifically engaged with Victor, you know, he'd chat to you, but uh, he, 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 he was very thoughtful. He, he'd often be sitting off to the side, just observing events, which I suppose a lot of, um, a lot of artists, you know, that would be the, their, their mode of operation. But I would also, this is good, this is good. You're going to find this a very strange comment. Victor was almost the Ringo Starr of Time Team because um, Ringo Starr, you see, he just kept the Beatles going. He was the calm, peaceful individual in the background who, while everything else was falling apart, Ringo just, you know, bumbled along. Um, you know, an essential component. I'm not suggesting Victor bumbled along. What I mean is that he's an essential component, but he didn't get caught up in the emotional breakdowns that sometimes occurred. So Victor would just be there, um, a kind of an eternal image of the artist, um, 
just enjoying the sunshine in the afternoon, sketching away, working away patiently. And yet, you know, if you were to talk to Victor and hear about his childhood in the Second World War, running away from the Nazis, there was this extraordinary juxtaposition between this, this um, older gentleman, if you like, and his drawing and this extraordinary world he'd come from. And he was unlike any of us in that respect. And I suspect it had a lot to do with why he was such a calm, peaceful individual. He, he had a much better sense of proportion. No, I think just Victor was just the most, is the most amazing, tranquil person. My favorite story about him is not his drawing, is actually we were digging on a site where we had a burial and he just walks past and looks down and says, oh, that person looks like he's been hit with a sword. And I looked at him and said, what? He said, yeah, when I was in the cavalry, <laughs> it's just like, what? Amazing guy. Love the man to death. <laughs> um, and I remember him referring as, a, as, a, as a hung, someone with a good knowledge of Hungarian history. Um, he referred to the, the, the backward blow that a horse rider might deliver to, to somebody, which enabled him to sort of cut backwards. Victor Ambrose was the person who um, did the first edition of War Horse. The first edition that ever came out in 1982 as the most wonderful cover. And I'll tell you a lovely story about that because it's a it, wonderful cover. Really lovely. You know what his pictures are like. Really wonderfully evocative cover. Anyway, the book didn't do at all well. So they only published something in the region of 500 to 800 copies. Um, the result of that, not the, what a great book it is, but the result that it didn't sell and was never reprinted, is that those copies with the Victor Ambrose cover are now unbelievably sought after by collectors because there's so few of them. And yeah. one of his books the other day went for £1,500, which was, I think, three times what I got paid for writing the book. <laughs> so it's interesting how time travels, isn't it, really? I have two copies of Warhorse, which I will never sell, but I the fact that the publishers lighted upon him, because in a way, those were ancient times, even when the book was published in 1982, and somehow you had to get the child to travel back, and this is how people look. And he never, never sentimentalizes. I mean, what has happened in film and sometimes in other things is people sentimentalize your books enormously. And that was just as, there's something about his line, you know, it, 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 it's, he's there. And he can see it in front of him. He's one of the, he's really one of the, and like Michael Foreman, I think in a way they're two peas in a pod. They're very, very connected to, uh, to the past, really. So they're not, they're not realistic, but they're, they're, there's so much reality in those drawings, which is, which is I find extraordinary. You know, they're, they're stylized with sort of big, big sort of splashes of watercolor. And yet somehow they're, they're so evocative of whatever he's painting it's um it's rather magical um and it, you know he picked up his, his first greenaway award in, in 1965 um so yeah um a bit of a star really he had a great way of like capturing particularly when he did caricatures of phil and and mick and capturing them you know i've got a few examples of those and they're they're, they're brilliant so yeah, an important part of the an important part of the show, I think, um, and it, and also because he's got such a unique and recognisable style of art, it also gave the the 
series a kind of character of its own as well, a look of its own, you know? Um, <laughs> one of the things I, I used to collect, you know, I'm going to, you know, sort of share a collecting Victor story with you now, but a um, number of times when Victor was sitting there, he used to mix his watercolours on a little piece of paper, any old scrap of paper would do, you know, pick up a, just to mix his watercolours on. And, and when I used to sit and work with him on some of those drawings we did together, uh, afterwards I'd say, can I, can I keep that water, can I keep your, your mixing palette? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, take it. And I've still got a collection of Victor's, Victor's different mixing palettes that he, he, uh, he did his watercolours of in my filing cabinet. And I can, I can still remember, you know, when I look at them, I can still remember which site we did them on because they are you know, just so so evocative of uh, Victor's ability to recreate the past. He was illustrating books when I was a child and he was one of, because I was interested in illustration, um, in those days illustrators were kind of invisible, you know, they didn't have websites and stuff and that quite often weren't credited on book jackets even, so you would sort of gradually piece together, oh yes, you know, I like this drawing and this seems to be by the same person and he was one of the people I kind of hunted down that way when I was like 12 or 13 or something um, and then at college I remember um, buying some of his books because I just liked his style so much and then of course one of the things about Time Team was that he was the he was the illustrator, the, the, the artist on it. So, um, so that was another reason to like it. Victor Ambrose has done um, a books about animals as well, and even how to draw animals. So, you know, drawing history isn't enough. At least I share that with him um, in, in a sort of one tiny way. We both illustrate history and animals. But his animal pictures, I don't know if you're familiar with those, they're just gorgeous. They're so light and... Um, I mean, they're heavily drawn in some parts, but they're so full of movement and bounce and, and life. Well, I mean, it's, it's, first of all, it's great to draw horses. You know, it gave me one horse to draw unhappy. I've got four in here or five, which is even better. And if you get some dogs thrown in, I mean, generally it's a great subject because everybody's moving away at high speed and the costumes are terrific. You had to do quite a lot of research, actually, to get everything, everything right. One of the biggest problems is hard to tie a dead deer on the back of a pony. I hope that's more or less right, no, 100% sure. But, um, so basically I had to do this and then find out a bit more about the buildings, which didn't actually come up until the very end of the programme. Even then there wasn't very much of it. So uh, I left it to the very last. It's always also a good idea to keep the buildings a very pale colour so you can do auto corrections on it. There's always corrections on the buildings, unfortunately. And uh, I remember sitting with Victor on site and talking through the archaeology with him and he would ask, you know, what would that roof look like? You know, and you know, he talked to the archaeologists, he did, you know, before he did his reconstructions and do his research. And I mean, <laughs> these windows would be repeated on that. Well, probably, yeah. So I mean, similar, anyway. it, it's very symmetrical, isn't it? And the way it goes up, it goes up from this huge sort of six light job there into a four light, slightly smaller. So I saw you having a chat earlier to the buildings expert on site. Yeah. You work with a lot of different archaeologists. I do, yes, yeah. It um, well, we have we have obviously we have the Romanists and we have the medievalists. Richard is a medievalist, and we are trying to untangle this. Um, Lodge, which is mm. just down the road from here. 
very difficult because you only have engravings or very early photographs sometimes and they're all taken from a different angle and you never know whether you got the right perspective i think victor once drew um a picture of one of my colleagues doing some survey i don't know where it is i don't know who's got it but uh yeah he uh, took some time out from from documenting historic scenes to uh, documenting a future historic scene which was yeah one of us carrying some geophysics kit so yeah good old victor the first time team i remember was probably um Ribchester when we went up and we were in a, in a village hall or something and I was there to really help Victor record Victor's line drawings and we had this um, uh, tool where literally we could Victor could draw and then we could speed it up and play it back and I can remember hiding under the table with all the cameras set up with Victor in front who obviously was not used to working on the computers and I'd literally pop up hit it, give it to Victor, and then I'd disappear under the table. <laughs> Fond memories of grovelling about on the floor. <laughs> and also, he got one of his Kate Greenaway books for non-fiction. Well, they were well, two of them were. Anyway, but, you know, getting a, a drawing award in, the, in this day of the sort of celebrating the picture book, the fiction picture book, he got his awards for doing non-fiction. I mean, it's, it's such, for me, it's like a... a, a you know, so it's a wonderful thing to aspire to. Um, Victor had such a great historical knowledge of what people look like, what the buildings, what the period stuff should look like, so it wasn't anachronistic. So you must have become quite an expert yourself on the buildings, architecture, costumes. Uh, yes, uh, I say yes. <laughs> Says he bigger than me. <laughs> not, not really, but I mean, um, I've been doing it for ever since the first program, which is about. What, 14 years ago now um, and you, um, you, you you do research all the time so um, you, you learn a lot you really do learn a lot on the way I mean things like costume for instance is um, is an essential because everything has to be drawn very fast you haven't got time to sit back and start digging up what was going on you have to keep on drawing but the thing I remember about Victor the most is is um, how much fun he was. Um, he was a sprightly gentleman, has to be said, and um, he particularly liked dancing. So whenever, you know, we'd have a last night party after the three days were done um, and, you know, we're all in the bar and there was some music, Victor would be up there cutting, um, would cut quite a, a scene on the dance floor. Um, and um, always everyone else would stop. <laughs> and just start sort of clapping and and so yeah I, I've, I've got memories of, of him being a fun character. Victor you lived a good life well done mate <laughs>